Welcome to my mom's podcast. You're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys podcast, where we chat with educators, community members, and advocates of early childhood alike through candid and real conversations, focusing on the person behind the practice, along with some tips and strategies as well. I'm your host, Marisa. Hi, everybody. It's Marisa again with another episode of Early Childhood Journeys podcast. For our listeners um, that are joining us right now, uh, I'm actually recording out of our kindergarten model classroom um, that is at Brooks Community School today. And I'm lucky enough to be able to finally coordinate some time to talk with my next guest. Um, and let me give you some background before I let him introduce himself. So my next guest I connected with um, through my co-paneling work, I guess you can call it, with Phoenix Comic Fest. Um, Phoenix Comic Fest has a little education arm that's done through the real-time STEAM, real-time STEM group that does PD hours for teachers that attend the Phoenix Comic Fest. They're able to get a ton of their clock hours by attending on STEAM-related workshops at the Phoenix Comic Fest event. So I was asked to um, submit. I submitted, and I was thankfully I was chosen. And I had a couple of co-panelists that did the session with me on um, cosplay and connecting it to STEAM. And my next guest was one of those gentlemen. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself because I also don't want to butcher your last name, Al. (laughs) (laughs) So go ahead. Talk to me about um, just kind of where you're at right now. And thank you for joining me. Okay. Uh, My name is Al Pajak. And um, I don't really have a working title yet. I was a professional development facilitator with the Arizona Science Center. I spent... Uh, about a year and a half, little, almost two years working with Mesa Early Childhood and doing professional development with them uh, about once a quarter. And that was a really good experience for me. Currently, I'm working on a PhD program at Prescott College, uh, where I'm uh, in, in their sustainability education program. And I'm looking at ways to uh, increase historical empathy among students uh, by connecting them to people of the past uh, through um, uh, sometimes 3D modeling, sometimes augmented reality, just different technologies that link them to the people of the past and maybe doing some role play and stuff. Very cool. Put your mic a little bit further from your mouth so that way it's not so... Let me see. Yes. Is that better? Yes, that's much better. Okay. Um, I wanted to mention also that one of the things that stood out for me when I was chatting with Al at our um, workshop was his connection with our early childhood teachers. And we got to kind of chatting about how to incorporate STEM and how to avoid the silo effect. (laughs) Um, And I'd like for you to kind of touch base about that. And Talk to us about, well, first, let me backtrack. How did you get started in this field? Um, I was a classroom teacher for nine years, and I've always viewed um, curriculum and subjects as being interrelated. So it wasn't just that I was teaching science, 
but I could also see social studies and English and math as being tied into what I was doing. And I tried to make it more holistic for students. Uh, as STEM grew in momentum, I started to take more interest in incorporating all the STEM subjects into what I was doing, as well as making um, a more student-directed and project-based learning experience for my students. Do you remember uh, when you were a classroom teacher, what mm -hmm. you most enjoyed about that experience? Um, when, uh, what I really enjoy about project-based learning and student-directed experiences is that they're in control. Yeah. And I'm mostly walking around helping them and making sure that they're on track. I'm not in front of the classroom lecturing, which just wears me down. Um, because mostly what lecture turns into is uh, a, an effort to make sure the students are listening to what you're saying. When they're in control, then they're directing everything and they're on task. So I have fewer disciplinary issues. I had better results when it came to... Uh, assessments and to see if the students understand what they're learning and they and they more more often do when they're in control and so. i think that's one of the misconceptions about doing that student driven work uh, in your classrooms is how do i gather this data how am i going to assess them and yeah. looking beyond that standardized tool and doing that formative assessment with mm -hmm. them um, now what would you say you're enjoying right now about your current work because for our listeners, Al is available. You now are, um, you were previously with another agency and right now, you, I know you said you're starting your PhD program, but you're looking mm -hmm. for ways to support uh, school programs, education programs. So if I'll make sure and put that information of how to connect with you, but what are you enjoying right now yeah. about the work you're doing right now? Uh, professional development is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I introduced teachers to uh, project-based learning or student-directed learning uh, through experiences and workshops where I model what a teacher is doing while they mo get an idea of what the students are doing. Um, so if we'll work through a lesson together and the students, the, the teachers as students, um, basically take on uh, the role of uh, solving a problem, yeah. um, either through uh, the design process or, or uh, through using uh, certain technologies that might help them solve the problem. Um, so things along those lines. So I think the workshops are a lot of fun. I get a lot of good feedback from things like that. Now talk to me about some misconceptions um, that you might get with your work in uh, doing those workshops from teachers or just from maybe the community? Um, I don't get so much from the community, but mostly uh, teachers. Uh, I've, when I was in the classroom, I would throw out my lesson plans at the end of the year because I wanted to keep things fresh. I and, love that. And, and also each year was different. Um, new kids. New kids, they didn't have the same objective as the previous batch. And so many teachers I know rely on the same lessons over and over again. It's almost like a safety net. So they don't want to lose that, lose hold of the safety net. They want to, uh, I see many teachers who, especially not to pick on veteran teachers, but those <laughs> teachers that have a database of, of lessons that they know work. Um, I, 
kind of a, came at education from a strange perspective. I was a working scientist before I became a teacher. Oh, I want to hear about that. Uh, well, I was, I was a vertebrate paleontologist. I did a lot of contract work. I did some work for the Park Service where I'd go look for fossils during oh construction. Oh, my gosh. That's and it, it was a lot of fun, but it took me away from home. And when you're trying to start a family, that's, that's, that's hard to do. So I went into education and I've never gone through a formal teacher training program. Which is fine. I, it's like, yeah. Sometimes I feel better. Uh, so <laughs> I didn't, I, I, didn't say it. No, well, I didn't learn all the tricks for, no, for classroom yeah. management yeah, and stuff no, for not. a lot of teachers, yeah. but I taught, I still think I teach like a scientist. I try things, I iterate, I figure out what works, what doesn't work, and I make improvements based on that. Um, and it, it allows me to be more flexible when it comes to working with students. Um, but it doesn't always mesh well with what other teachers are doing because they have a more formal template that they follow uh, for is, their classroom design. Which is unfortunate, which is something that I know you and I had been talking about that's something that we're trying to shift we want to shift the, that practice from that traditional 150 year old model right to 21st century right now and that inquiry based definitely thinking like a scientist mm -hmm. that creativity um so yeah if, I, I know i wanted to get you on here for that if if i was to set up the ideal classroom the teachers would change class and the students would stay in the same room they would be in control of the environment and it would be more uh, like a model of what it would be like to work in a 21st century environment. Yes. Uh, so the students are collaborating, they're solving problems, they're using the tools in the classroom and the teachers, um, even from different subjects, could be working with the students at the same time. Um, yes, yes, uh, so, love that. Yeah, I, I've, I actually saw that model in action at uh, high tech high in san diego yeah from the most likely um, to succeed to yeah yeah absolutely. and i had, went to a workshop there and it was just amazing what the students are doing so. and it's something that can you know you you might not be able to replicate exactly in your program but right. the ideas of it are so transferable are easily transferable i know mm -hmm. that's something that for early childhood for our preschool k you know up to third grade we've talked about that in our work and how to incorporate that um with our little ones. And, you know, with that, with that, thinking about that student or that um, teacher that is kind of hesitant, you know, they're, they're just getting into opening up and trying these new, and they're not really new, but they're these innovative, everybody's doing it, but now, okay, I'm going to do this. What would you be, what would be that tip for them to get started in the STEM fields or doing that inquiry base like any tip for that new teacher perhaps or that seasoned teacher that's going to start um, shifting their practice in the classroom um i think the biggest tip is to trust your students and uh, give them a hoop to jump through and they will jump through it you're going to have to scaffold uh, independent learning with your students if they haven't done it before so you can't just throw a project at them and expect them to do that, do it on the first try. But if you gradually release control of, of the learning to the students, then they will follow through. So I think the most important thing to do is to kind of train your students 
uh, to what it means what it means to be kind of facilitators of their own understanding. Um, you can't just say, and I've made this mistake plenty of times. Yeah. Um, I'll give students a project to do and expect them to do it, and then they come up with. Uh, it, it's, it's, you can actually see it happen. It slowly, slowly degrades disaster. <laughs> yeah. and students are just kind of running around the room um, where if you've trained your students to uh, work independently, um, and sometimes it even takes a better part of a year to get them to that point. Yeah. You can see some pretty amazing things happen. Uh, one of my favorite examples is I was trying to teach, I, I was, had the goal of teaching the Colorado River watershed uh, to a group of seventh graders uh, while I was teaching in uh, Clark County, Nevada. And um, we happened to have access to a bunch of laptops. And I said, well, what tool would be really good for learning about the Colorado River watershed? And I thought about Google Maps. And so I trained them how to draw lines on maps and map things out. And then I had a hat and I put the names of all the rivers in the watershed into the hat. Each student drew a name. And then collaboratively, they built a map, an interactive map of the Colorado River watershed. That's awesome. Yeah, with the headwaters and mouth of each river and pictures and points of interest for each river and uh, water flow for each data for each river and things like that. Um, and at probably after the second day, I was just sitting back and watching. That's uh, awesome. I had questions and I helped them and that was it. And that's yeah. really that true formative assessment tool where you're, I know for us, it's documenting the learning. Oh, I see mm -hmm. little Joey. Okay. And with little Timmy, they're, they're talking about this. Okay. Well, yeah. there's, you know, you're making that, that documentation of how right. that's meeting curriculum standards. And it would be easy to give them a photocopy of, of the Colorado River watershed and have them color it instead, <laughs> you know? But which will, which what what's going to allow them to understand it better? Yep, you know? absolutely. So now, what about? I know you have worked with certain school districts. Mm -hmm. Are there any particular tips for our K third teachers, um, since it's early childhood, on how to how to start incorporating incorporating more STEM and inquiry based learning in their classrooms? I actually think in some ways it's easier at a younger age. Yes, it is. Because they have, because I've worked with all grades. Yeah. Uh, they have fewer roadblocks. They have fewer bad habits to overcome. So maybe what's uh, the they, tip for the teacher? Yeah. Uh, so I think that K through three, uh, they like to play and use that as an advantage. Let them play with things and figure it out. Um, let them come up with the rules uh, that have to take place for something to happen. If you wanted to teach them convection, uh, show them a lava lamp and ask them why they think things are bubbling up and then bubbling down um, and then ha compare it to hot air balloons or something. Yeah. But they ha they'll use their imaginations and, and uh, come up with their own ideas better than I think some of the older students will. I, I agree, which is one of my, it's my favorite age group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just finding out what they're curious about that day and going from there. Um, so how can we support your work, um, whether it's us as teachers or us as just the community overall? How do we support your work? 
Um, well, if you're interested in professional development, you could certainly contact me and I'd ha I'm happy to come to your school. Um, I usually uh, send out a survey ahead of time to see what the needs are, uh, the comfort level of other, other teachers. I'd probably meet with administrators um, and we'd come up with a, a plan for me working with your teachers. Uh, I have been trained in uh, cognitive coaching through the K-12 Center. And uh, so I'm happy to come to classrooms and work with teachers one-to-one. -one. Awesome. Uh, I've also developed programming through Treasures for Teachers where I do on-site workshops. Uh, I'll go in a day ahead of time, collect materials and design STEM projects around those materials. And then you can go in and go shopping for yourself uh, and collect the same materials that we just worked with and develop STEM projects for. So those are, those are definitely some ways that uh, uh, I can help you out and you could connect with me and we could work, come, work something out. What's something that you're that typical as an educator you're doing right now during your summertime? Uh, I'm working on uh, my PhD project, yeah. which is really centered around integrating STEM and history. Uh, and STEM specifically focusing mostly on technology. There's a lot of historical places have been scanned and turned into augmented reality environments. Yeah. Uh, but also many historical objects uh, have 3D models that you can download and print or work, work with uh, virtually online. Um, I think by doing this, then it brings more uh, of the power of presence or the yeah. power of place into the classroom. Um, it makes history more approachable, more tangible. Yeah. And then um, I'm also trying to develop lived experiences so students can experience what the people of the past went through um, and uh, get a better idea, hopefully um, to get a better idea of how those people lived. Um, one of the things that I've printed and worked with with students and teachers is a, a slave shackle that was recovered from a, a, a fairly intact slave ship wreck uh, off the coast of Virginia. Um, and um, I sat uh, on my computer while it was printing. It took seven hours to print wow. uh, the shackle. And I just couldn't stop thinking about what the person went through that was wearing it. You know, that they, you know, and how could I provide that experience to students who don't have a frame of reference uh, for, for an object like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, amazing. yeah. So I think that there's so much potential. Do you have like your little tribe or mentor? How do you decompress as a teacher? We, we talked about this actually this week with certain teachers about. The importance of having some support do you do you have your own little colleagues or some support that you can bounce ideas off of um i'm part of a cohort at school and we're on an, uh, a site called group me and we talk almost every day cool. uh, so that's one way uh, i'm also a, a very slow distance runner and i meet with a running group <laughs> Tuesday nights, and we go for runs, and a lot of those, a lot of the folks I run with are also educators, so. Very cool, because I've yeah. just been mentioning that with some of our listeners about making sure you have one or two folks that 
can support you and your your journey as an educator oh yeah um, because it can burn you out yeah and it's hard to unload on your family (laughs) yes yeah so sure um so with that tell us uh your email any social handles if folks want to get in touch with you before i let you go it's pretty easy twitter is at stem nation okay and um youtube you can also look for stems stems with an s nation so stems nation and uh, email is stems again that's plural stems.nation at gmail.com and again i'll have this in the show notes for our listeners to connect okay. with you cool well, thank you so much Al. Yeah. i really appreciate it. i can't wait to yeah. follow your journey with your phd and i definitely got to oh. get you back on the show thanks i have a I've, I've been um making blog posts for a place called the virtual curation laboratory oh um and one of them has to do with that shackle okay so um i'm happy to share that with you and your audience if you yes, like thank you i'll get that link Absolutely. okay okay well thank you so much again al take care all right you too and thanks for inviting me this was fun <laughs> thank you